0: Welcome. You're now listening to Just Bobby
1: T. Welcome to episode one of Getting Three Hundred and Sixty of Just Bobby T. And so today's guest we have today is Keenan Pascal. Keenan Pascal, how's it going today? Not
0: bad, Rob. How's it going? Not
1: too bad. Not too bad. So for those who don't know, this being episode number one, what we're doing is we're going through a series of different questions and interviews with different guests. And with Keenan Pascal being the first guest, um, Keenan, tell us a little bit about yourself and start from the beginning.
0: All right. Well, I didn't know this was episode one. I thought you did this a bunch of times already. I was prepared. <laughs> um, yeah. So my name is Keenan Pascal. Uh, I was born and raised in Edmonton. Uh, I guess depending how far back you want to go. Went
1: to Origin. FX. Origin story.
0: Parents on one gloomy night. And, you know, the, uh, yeah, I went to FX here. Went to U of A. Graduated. After graduation, worked on a couple of different projects, kind of had hands in different things. Ended up working in banking for about six years, worked for ATB, was my uh, kind of last bank job. <clears throat> last thing I did there was like internal consulting for them, so it was a good experience. And then as I was getting more and more into the finance and the back end of the, the bank side, I realized I wanted to go do my MBA, so I decided to... Jump out of Edmonton for a couple of years. So I went to Van for two years, Vancouver. Went to UBC, did an MBA out there. Had a really great experience. It was like an international MBA. Got a lot of great contacts and networks. And then uh, from my MBA, I got the opportunity to go and be a teacher's assistant through the school. That opened up some doors. Uh, so I got to go to the UK, teach out there, and then when I came back, I was like, you know what, banking is not for me. There's so much more opportunity out there if you just kind of want to take a risk.
1: So, and, and would you say your MBA kind of like brought that to your attention that you notice there's so much more opportunities other than the traditional route of what banking was?
0: Yeah, like like I love banking. Like banking was a great job. It was just, uh, I think the biggest thing I got from the MBA was stepping out of that like nine to five job where you're like, you didn't have that. Set paycheck coming in, like once you disconnected from it, it kind of changed the way you're thinking. So you're like, I can, instead of just knowing I'm going to get a paycheck every month, you know, like I had savings and other investments, like rental properties and things like that. And then I realized, like, I can work that month and I can make cash to like cover things. Like I didn't have to rely on a job. So I was like, okay, now that I don't need to rely on a job every day pay my bills can i take more risk can i try something that interests me and go in a different direction than just the traditional bank bank job or like that nine to five
1: cool stereotype cool cool so do you consider yourself an entrepreneur
0: yeah kind of trial by fire but uh yeah i figured it out So over the over a couple of different projects like you and me have worked on projects together i've done
1: and name and name some of those projects so that come to mind
0: tragedy <laughs> <laughs> it was first one we did was like the uh made in edmonton events so we there's like four of us six of us at the, at the end, probably what seven of us in the team at the end. i think it was in
1: the end it was like nine of us yeah so yeah.
0: we had a good crew of nine people like everyone kind of volunteered their time and we just put up the money and lost it <laughs> or broke even broke you but we uh and what know, were like, and what
1: like, were some of the events that you did under that or we did i should say so we
0: did uh some of my favorites, we did that like annual garden jazz party, which is like the C really liked at the Con Gardens downtown. We did the, that ice event in the freezer. That was a really fun one. The loft parties above the brewery. The Yeah, just different party events. And then as that evolved, we realized there's opportunity in the, the sponsorship side of things. So while I kind of was always having my day job, we were always working on side projects and kind of taking that entrepreneur spirit and applying it to different things. So we got to like sponsorship consulting, helping other people launch their products and their events and bringing together different our networks and helping them kind of take their events from like small scale to like larger scale stuff. So like we worked a lot with vignettes and the golf society, just different companies where we can kind of now consult and use our experience as opposed to being the ones like on the ground level, but that's that how that that evolved, and then with the MBA adding kind of fuel to the fire, I came back. I decided I'm going to get out of banking, <clears throat> so I had enough of a cushion from having like investments way back in the day that grew that I was like, okay, I've I got a runway, I got a comfortable amount that I could go find something else to do. So while I was shopping around for jobs, I was looking at more real estate, land development, talking to guys about, like, analyst positions, and then one of my friends from school, Cam, he was one of the top graduates of our class. Really interesting character. He had an idea to get into the cannabis space, so while we were at UBC, he incubated this idea with the class, with a group class, like a project, and it was basically a Keurig machine, you put the oil in at the top, press a button, your, uh, or you put your weed at the top and press a button, your oil comes out at the bottom, and then you start market testing that. And, then and, that. This was,
1: and this was a school project? Like, how can you do that in a school?
0: Uh, well, like, yeah, it's UBC, it's Vancouver. Like, like <laughs> they kind of let, they let your entrepreneur spirit fly. Okay. And uh, so Cam started, like, market testing that idea, like, obviously not, putting weed in people's homes, but that evolved to a beverage line. So that line, because people were like, well, why not just buy the oil as opposed to making uh, making the oil myself. So he created a cold-pressed juice, and the dispensaries in Vancouver were way ahead of anywhere else. Than, or in Vancouver, Victoria were way ahead of the rest of the country. So he had some pre-sales, but it was all in that gray market where it was allowed, but not a, a elite Like, it was illegal, but it was allowed kind of thing. So Cam kind of shelved that idea, shelved that company, went and worked for an AI company doing uh, robotics. And we were out here going for beers at the U of A because they have a big nanotechnology thing. So he was for a conference, and he was like, I need somebody to, for real, to me, like, to really play in the space. I need to have a license to produce. So that's where you can legally grow... Flour, you can extract it you can sell it so that was kind of cam's big hurdle Yep. and it just the way the world works he was like you're not working right now do you want to Do you want to take a swing at this so so
1: sorry let's take a step back how long ago so all of that discussion what year
0: did that happen in that have been 2016 so to- like i came back from the uk in like july of 2016 or no, no, I came back in like April or something like that.
1: Cool. So so Cam essentially then he just needed another partner or someone to actually run the business or to yeah. create the business of what it is. And, and what is that business called?
0: So right now it's evolved to Token Naturals. So it's an extraction and product development company here at Edmonton in the cannabis space. So we have an application in with Health Canada. So we're going through the steps. So it took us, like we started the company, like I... We, we met in July, I quit the bank and all that in like the summer of 2016, and Cam needed help getting this license so that like, he could legally do all the things he wanted to do in developing products and doing research. So, over 2016, 2017, we put together the business plan, the application, we built out a wicked team, now we're at like seven people, and we've got uh, an application with Health Canada so we put it in at the Q2, Q, Q4 2017.
1: Okay. And and for the people who who just are just totally lost in that space, what does it mean or what is the importance or the value of, you know, being a licensed producer? Like, what does that mean exactly?
0: Yeah. So the way the government, so when the liberals came into party, they're like, we're going to legalize cannabis and what? everyone got excited was, was all these licensed producers, it was assumed that they're going to get grandfathered into the system. So you were allowed to grow and sell medical marijuana through the ACMPR, which is like the access to cannabis for medical purposes. Yeah. And so what that was, was kind of that first step is there's these ACMPR applicants that become licensed producers. And right now there is... I think, like, 86 licensed producers in Canada. So we're hoping to be in the first, like, 150, 120 licensed oh, producers wow. across the country. And the assumption is, as these... Well, so no matter what happens, if you know the government doesn't rec- create recreational marijuana, mm-hmm. which I'm, I'm very confident they will, but if it doesn't happen, we would still be able to sell a medical product to customers directly that would need them through the health system
1: awesome and i guess that's also too from the standpoint of like a commercial entity so if you're a commercial business you need a license you need to become a licensed producer to do that and if you're not then you can't play in that space
0: yeah like a lot of guys well there's different uh like there was an older system that existed that was allowing people to grow cannabis for other people like other patients and so that kind of grew into where a lot of the gray market was getting their cannabis so it wasn't so much illegal but it wasn't like they were kind of skirting the system Cool, but that's kind of how we got like all these online dispensaries which are you know making money right now because they can buy through this older system sell it directly to people and it's not really getting policed right now but as things evolved they were having more strict laws so that's where you got these huge companies coming out like Aurora Canopy Grow like these are licensed producers these are like the top dogs kind of in the system
1: cool so so let's take a step back um, currently right now what is Token Naturals doing so since I can imagine it's still legal what are you guys doing right now amongst your business
0: so we took uh app- so we took out the app- application and we being a startup we went through the seed round so we raised half a million dollars in investment from very nice people that trust us with their cash, <laughs> and we took uh, we took that and got the license in with Health Canada, and then we built out a team, got the facility. So we're we're putting our facility in Edmonton, so it's a six thousand square foot facility. But we have the option to grow it into like the warehouse that we're in is sixteen thousand, and the lot sixty. So there's a lot of upside potential. We as a team decided to like get skip the growing, like the the growing phase and move just into the extraction. We felt like that is more up our alley for skills and where we wanted to be. So while we were waiting with the license in, we decided, you know, we're MBAs, we can kind of bootstrap something. So we launched a bidder's line as a pet project. Like Cam, he's got a great background in chemical engineering. He wanted to really find something that we could play with that is adult focused it's going to be something that we can learn the ropes on supply product development, extractions, flavoring. So bitters kind of fit that so and,
1: and what are, bit, what, are bit, what are bitters exactly people don't even know what bitters are
0: So like the cocktail bitters to make an old-fashioned so like old-fashioned basically any alcoholic uh, cocktail that you'll see in you know the kind of the hot spots in Edmonton will add bitters to it just to change the flavor profile a little bit. Okay, cool. So, so put a couple drops in, like you can put it in your water, Some people put it in their coffee,
1: things like that. And so bitters are almost like a, I guess, like a spice that people add to cocktails to just create different flavors and different yeah. profiles among that? Yeah, essentially. Awesome. So you mentioned before that you guys raised um, half a million, which is awesome, and I'm sure there's a lot of people who are very curious, how does one do something like that? Can, can you walk us through a little bit about that process and what we're like sort of like, I guess, on a – on a high level, like what are the steps, or how does one even start to do that?
0: Uh, so it's really coming up with the plan, like the business plan is the biggest thing, because you're going, it's different than, so in the banking, and like, kind of like the real estate background that I had, or experience there, is you know what this asset's worth, like you know that this house is worth 300,000, and I can rent it out for $1,000 a month, I'm gonna make X amount of return, and we think the growth of the market's gonna be, you know, three, five percent kind of thing. When you're pitching somebody to invest in your business that is in a, especially in an emerging market, is I have to convince you that my idea is worth two million dollars, four million dollars, one million dollars. And it really comes down to like the plan you have in place and then the team you've built to execute it. Then, like, this was my, I've never gone out and, Raised money before, so I was a lot of learning on the go, being way out of my comfort zone. A lot of times, like my first pitch was, it was a disaster. It was one of the dumbest things I've ever done in terms of like presentations. But the guy gave us like a hundred thousand dollars, and he was like, you know what? It wasn't your pitch was awful. Like, don't ever do that to somebody again. But you are confident in your team. You're confident. You're an idea. And like, I'm going to invest in you, not in that shitty pitch deck you just put in front of me. So like, it was going through those lessons and learning to kind of tweak it and getting mentorship was important. Like, we just talked to guys who had already done it and asked like, okay, does does this sound right? Does this make sense? And then your investors, I think the biggest thing is like, we got really strong investors at the beginning that maybe not weren't so experienced in buying, you know, starting, like, in startup space, but they were very strong in the sense that, like, they, they really believed in the team. So when they invested, they went to their other networks and contacts and were like, hey, these guys are legit, let's let's pull, let's back them up.
1: Well, that's cool. So a lot of it was, like, relationship-based. So yeah. just like you are saying, your first pitch kind of went, unfortunately, not the best or the smoothest due to, just the practice of things but it came down to your relationship with that individual and also just
0: yeah the, yeah like it was definitely like the relationship and being able to but, like I, but basically at the end of the i, I just closed my laptop and was, he was just like just stop using that deck it was it was awful It wasn't explaining anything and it was very it was way too complicated for what he was trying to ask me so it really came down to like the relationship and like we basically you did the deal over drinks after, and, like, we went out had a beer, and then that's where we kind of, like, clicked, and it made all, made more sense, because, you know, you just have that bond with this investor because they believe in you, you believe in them backing you up, and then that's really what helped open the floodgates to, and the sense that it was, like, a new market, and people who are very interested in investing in cannabis right now, like, you see a lot of talk about the stock markets, guys right now looking at retail shops, like, people are getting into the market, which is really exciting, and I, I love to see that.
1: Yeah, and that segues into actually my next question is, like, what is currently right now the current state of, like, the cannabis market in respect to, like, what's happening in that space? If you can, like, once again, speak to that a little bit on a high level.
0: Uh, well, like, on a high level, like, everybody's really excited about the recreational market in Canada being opened up. So Canada, like, Uruguay was the first country, but Canada be kind of the first, like country to recrea- or allow recreational marijuana across the board. So in the states, like you have Colorado, California, but everybody's locked in their own state. So if you have a company in Colorado, you can't just go across the board and sell it. in California. You have to actually set up another shop over there. Here, we can set up shop in Edmonton and I can sell to people in Ontario yeah. through like the license that we would have.
1: So that's opportunities potentially.
0: Yeah, there's like there's a lot of opportunities there. The option to enter up, and there's a lot of excitement as they kind of Canada isn't unique. Are the ones that are going to be the first guys to like kind of take a swing at it. And then on the recreational, it's most it's probably not going to be July first because they're not going to want it to be Canada to like cannabis mandate. Now each province has to decide how they're going to do it. So private liquor stores. So you can do a private dispensary, run it through there. There's through AGLC online system where I can go from the licensed producer to one of the dispensaries and evolve.
1: Totally. That sounds cool. And sorry, just your mic. Just there we go. Yeah. <laughs> um and then
0: diversification of the industry. Like you don't have what I find doing because I have this cool idea and I want to put cannabis in this or I wanna like make this accessory it's not like, you know, you can think of a bank or you can think of, you know, an oil and gas guy, but like, there is no cannabis business person. So anytime I go to a be you know, there's so much diversity because people aren't afraid to kind of step up to them. There's nobody that's going to tell you you can't right now. Like there was definitely restraints because like there's now different opportunities. Like one little thing that they we found out today is like you don't need to like, a hundred thousand dollar purchase in our on our
1: and so, and so that vault is like in regards to like if you're
0: cannabis because it's like a pharmaceutical great yeah that's how they're treating it petition coming through the pipe and guys are you're gonna have to be innovative to succeed in coming in to do dispensaries and that's great and I the more the better but it's gonna be who's not everyone's gonna survive it's gonna be told totally. that you have a cool brand it is you know we have different sexual orientations we have like a, almost otherwise
1: so for what would you like kind of recommend like so right now such in this whole
0: yeah well there's like there's lots of different areas to get into it so it's a brand new industry maybe it's you know you're gonna be a drink company you're gonna be a bakery you're gonna design the next vape pen like there's so many different options or you're gonna have the coolest store you're gonna have like a cannabis events company like there's to- so many different options like off the hop I think you're not going to see such a diverse product pool because the Canadian government's made it fairly clear that it'll just be flour and oil in the first year and then the edibles markets can expand in the next you know two three years after that yeah but eventually you'll see that and people are going like I've heard of cannabis uh, like instead of having a, a bar at your wedding you have a bud bar people can go and like people are coming up with all these cool little ideas and guys are coming up so if you're trying to get into the market, I think it's just being able to step out of the like this everybody's got the same not the same. Like it's being different. Totally. Like, so I think that's the big thing cuz a lot of people are looking at how um I'm just going to open a dispensary like most of the worst kind of pitches I've gotten in the last little bit is just like oh I'm just going to open a dispensary. And that's I just assume it's just gonna make me a million dollars because it's a new market. Like that's not gonna work. You have to have some kind of plan.
1: Totally. And and I guess too, like ultimately, you're kind of saying like sort of integrating that into whatever lane some people are. So you mentioned if you're a baker, like adding that component that you have now a lane of baked goods that are infused. That's like a probably a really Cool opportunity to explore, or if you're a chef of some sort and yeah, you were right. always cooking, if you did some of those fusion, that's good ways to penetrate versus the typical. I'm opening up an, like a retail of it, correct?
0: Yeah, like there's definitely like there's smarter people out there than I am, and maybe I don't even know what the next big thing is, but it's the opportunities there, and it's really just if you, I would have never imagined five years ago I'd be working for a cannabis company. <laughs> so it's like it really just kind of depends. Yeah. where you where you follow like we try to keep our company as light on the feet as possible so you totally. want to with different opportunities come up or we've done consulting projects for other companies like cam's gone out to victoria and help them like set up a lab or guys have come up and, like hey we want to we need help making this product can you guys kind of put your experience in and we've done consulting projects for people in that sense and like we've done our bidders line and we try to stay flexible because our backbone like the is going to be we're going to extract cannabis, put into products that we either own and send it directly to the retail stores, or we'll put our extracted product and we'll sell it wholesale to somebody and they can take it to the next level, whatever they want
1: to do with it. Cool, cool. And then I guess um slowly but surely, um wrapping this up, I'm kinda curious, is there anything that's up and coming um with Token Naturals or any activities, events or anything? Yeah,
0: like we've definitely got a pipeline now of events and projects that we're working on so over the last couple of weeks we've seen a lot of like like we've talked to the alberta government so many different we probably had like six or seven meetings with different heads of areas that are like okay six years ago i don't like six months ago they're not your cannabis wasn't even really on the radar but now these guys are coming up to us and be like hey like we're thinking of putting this project together What's your, why is Edmonton blowing up for cannabis? Can you guys give us some background on this? Do you guys need help with funding? Like, can, Are you guys hiring university students? Because like, we can help you do that. So I think that's something that's coming down the pipe is there's all this you know, opportunity to kind of work with your government officials and go out and go to the town halls in the city and the, cool. the meetings, things like that. Uh, us, as a smaller company, we're also doing events, we have a tasting with with the bitters company, so this is not, you're not going to be getting high at this thing, but we'll <laughs> <this> be doing <laughs> uh, like a bartender competition with our bitters, and we'll be doing that at, on February 15th uh, at you
1: And are these are these virgin? You said virgin like drinks? Are these yeah? I'll
0: with... <laughs> call them, but there's no uh, no CBD or THC in them. <laughs> and then uh, yeah, so that would kind of be the first thing we're going to do. People who are trying to get into the cannabis space have just been kind of coming up and. Emailing us just have a coffee, and we uh, we've kind of noticed that there's not really a space or a facility to meet up. So we're going to do a couple of cannabis industry meetups, just smaller cool. things. If guys are interested, just shoot us a line, and we'll uh, we'll invite you out. And yeah. We'll so if we if people are looking
1: ones. for more information, where can they find stuff around Token Naturals, and where can they find uh, more information about you?
0: Yeah, just on the website It's dot dot com, and then the bitters is token bitters dot com, what you're. You guys on players. social? Yeah. And we have the uh, Instagram handles, Token Naturals and Token Bitters. And you know, LinkedIn, all of that fun stuff. Or just send me an email. I'm an easygoing guy. <laughs>
1: okay, cool. Um, well, this kind of wraps up this first episode of Getting 360 with Just Bobby T. I want to thank my guest Keenan Pascal, to sh- for shedding light on the cannabis industry and excited to share more of these um, conversations and individuals um, around the community. So peace thank you for tuning in to getting 360 with just bobby t if you are on facebook live i would really appreciate it if you hit that share button and if you're listening to this on itunes i would love it and appreciate it and would have so much respect if you could leave a rating so many more podcasts to come and i appreciate you guys listening peace